everyone. I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Do I Like This, the podcast. Yay! Woo! We're finally back! Sort of. This week, uh, this episode is brought to you by the flu and dental emergencies and general... Sick toddlers. Ness. Coughing in your mouth. So this week, um, Sam was really, really under the weather, so... This week's episode is going to be featuring uh, my brother Brett and myself discussing the 2001 movie Boa. Sam is going to quickly, though, give us her thoughts on what this movie could possibly be about, knowing nothing about it. Yeah, so I haven't watched it. I didn't get a chance because I was wrangling a sick baby and being sick myself, among other things. Uh, So Ian and Brett are doing it by themselves. And I said, why don't I just tell you guys what I think the movie is before you (laughs) go into your spiel? I said, yes, that is a perfect idea. All I know is that it's called Boa. So I'm assuming there's a giant snake. And Ian said Dean Cain is in it. Yes. Um, So I was calling it Snakes on a Cane. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I'm guessing that... The only other like disaster movie I've seen Dean Kanan is that one with the volcanoes. <laughs> volcano plane. Volcano plane. Um, I always call it volcano sharks for some reason because I just think <laughs> I, I wish that there were like sharks flying out of the volcanoes at the plane, right? Can somebody make that? Thanks. Yeah, Asylum. can we get that sequel? Thank you. Uh, so I'm guessing it's Dean Kane is a big strong scientist. And he uh, is working on some special project somewhere. What do you think that special project would be? I will give you a hint. Go off the radar. Well, I was going to say like core samples from the Amazon. Okay. Uh, Or he's like up in a tree studying sugar gliders. I don't even know. Where are they from? I want that. (laughs) Uh, I hope they're from up in trees. (laughs) Um, and they somehow accidentally release an ancient boa. Okay. And the boa is getting revenge on the world polluting its habitat. I like where you're going with this. And it starts wreaking havoc on the, um, science place where Dean Kane is the king of the scientists. Sure. Up in the trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he has to single-handedly fight the boa to the death. And he wins. Right? Pretty close. All right. Uh, I want to give you one lead. So his wife is also a slightly younger doctor. And they have a very asinine argument that goes on throughout the movie about their relationship. What do you think they argue repeatedly about from different points of views that causes them to butt heads? Um, They argue about the existence of Bigfoot, Ian, and how big his feet actually might be. And when the boa appears, she doubles down because obviously if there's a big boa, then there's a big foot, right? 100%. All right. Well, Sam, thank you for describing the movie. I don't know why Brett and I are going to even talk about this at this point, since you just took us through it right there. Um, So, Sam, we hope you feel better next week. We look forward to having you back. Thank you. And now, with no further ado. Enjoy the party in your ears that is Ian and Brett. (laughs) 
Take it away, us. So welcome, Brett, to our podcast again this week. We are going to start giving you produced by credits on this at some point soon. I mean, I'm just glad you guys are alive. Uh, mm. It sounded pretty rough over there. <laughs> pretty rough and tumby. It was not good. I actually added on top of that, had an emergency root canal this morning because I cracked a tooth, ignored it for three weeks, and then woke up on sun- Saturday and Sunday with a drill going through my face pretty much. And Sam was like, yeah, that's why you should have done that two weeks ago. And she wasn't wrong. I too love putting off important things. So yeah, I I think it's in our DNA. (laughs) So yeah, definitely. I made up for that canker sore by finally sitting down and watching the 2001 slash 2002. They can't determine what year they want to say. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. (laughs) Uh, Dean Cain, probably in his IMDb top 40 movie boa i i don't want to ruin the podcast by saying how i feel about this movie immediately because that is supposed to be the like i think this is a unique line. episode but oh man uh i i don't know why i love dean kane i love the i love these movies mm-hmm. this is just so exactly up my alley which is great because the last mm-hmm. few have been pretty hit miss we've oh man yeah although people are enjoying listening to nightmare at noon so thank you to the entire country of india which is now our top listening country we really appreciate all your support and we're glad you enjoy listening to us be so confused by nightmare at noon (laughs) Uh, they're equally confused i think that's why it's probably like two people re-listening to it repeatedly being like these are the feelings i have they are now justified validation baby it's powerful So we're going to get into all of Dean Cain and how we feel about this movie. But let me, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do what Sam does. I'll probably do it a little bit less effectively, but uh, I'm going to read the plot from Wikipedia. And then Brett and I are just going to, we're just going to talk about this movie because, you know, I mean, Sam already nailed it in her projection of what this movie is. Obviously, we're recording this part first before that, but I know she nailed it to a T. (laughs) So I don't even know why we're doing this at this point. I'm actually going to be a little bummed if it turns out she doesn't watch this because this is the most watchable one you've had so far. This one was, ooh, I, I, this was a solid hour and third. Was it like an hour 30, 35? Hour 35, yeah. Yeah, yeah. An hour 35 that began in the plot, and it is in New Alcatraz, the world's most secure prison located in Antarctica, a drilling operation inadvertently <laughs> releases a giant boa constrictor from a large hollow mm-hmm. rock that has been preserving it in suspended animation. The snake chews a hole through the ice, enabling it to escape into the prison. The hole is discovered by workers, and a guard is placed on it until the engineers can assess the hole and block it up. <laughs> Jenkins, <laughs> the guard, hears a strange hissing noise in the tunnels and is sent by Sergeant Quinn, his supervisor, to investigate. Jenkins, unnerved, requests backup, causing Quinn to send the engineers Peloso and Goodman to help him. I will say, before I continue on, these are just mostly disposable guards at this point. Uh, Disposable engineers as well. Also true. Oh, that's a good point. Jenkins is stalked and killed by the snake. Arriving on scene, Peloso and Goodman grumble about being woken up. Blood drips down from the pipes onto Peloso, causing him to stare up in confusion just as the snake attacks him and Goodman. The engineer's screams can be heard as the snake begins to move further into the prison. The prison sends out a distress call, which is received by the United States military. They hire paleontologist Robert Trenton, Dean Kane, and his wife Jessica to assist a military team led by Major Larson in the search to destroy the snake. When they arrive at the prison, they discover a group of survivors led by head of security Quinn and prison warden Fred Riley. The security and military personnel split up and set out to find and kill the snake while Robert, Jessica, and Fred watch on in the control room. 
A soldier named McCarthy is killed by the snake while his partner Simmons is found shot dead. One by one, the other personnel are also killed. Robert and Jessica join in the hunt. After a skirmish with the snake, a gas pipe ruptures and explodes, killing the remaining security and military members. Robert and Jessica flee from the snake, but Jessica is seemingly killed. Robert returns to the security room and convinces Fred to release the prisoners to help in their escape. Fred releases the prisoners, and the group devises a plan to escape. During the escape, one of the prisoners, a hacker named Kelly Minich, attempts to save himself only to be killed by the snake and accidentally causing another gas explosion, killing Fred. Meanwhile, the other group led by prisoner Yuri Breshkov and uh, Mark Shepard and his cousin Peter Yuval, who had been arrested at the beginning of the film for attempting to purchase mid-range nuclear missiles for Chechnya. He finds Jessica alive and they take her in. The snakes then kill two of the prisoners, but Yuri and Jessica escape to the surface. Meanwhile, Robert and prisoner Patricia O'Boyle, a member of the IRA, attempt to escape, although the snake kills Patricia while Robert escapes to the surface. Robert, Jessica, and Yuri attempt to escape on a military plane, although the snake sneaks aboard, which is an inaccurate description of what it does, and kills one of the pilots. In the ensuing battle, the snake is ejected from the plane, but Yuri is dragged out with it, and the two fall to their deaths. Robert and Jessica, bewildered but alive, fly to safety. And that is Boa. See you guys next week. Okay. It was fun. There's a lot of things that I, that is a serviceable recounting of the plot. There are a lot of things that they missed out on, and um, a lot of things mm-hmm. we'll definitely touch on. But just just to start, uh, Dean Kane and Mark Shepard mm. carry this piece, and man, oh. uh, I I I didn't know his name until now, but Mark Shepard is like, if you're my age, you've seen him as a bit actor in so many things. Uh, just like he's outstanding. He's, he's great, but he was like the kind of guy who is, oh, I'm the bad guy on this week's episode of, uh, you know, CSI mm-hmm. or whatever procedural. Firefly, he was the great yep, he was uh, in badger Firefly. on Firefly. Right now he's in Doom Patrol, which I believe is a, a good show that is doomed huh. to not be uh, watched because it's on a shitty streaming service. That is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, especially because he's basically Constantine in it. And, uh, Ooh, yeah, that is one of Sam's films that I haven't seen that she wants to make me see. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I bet. All right. Ooh, maybe that'll be a pick we do with you then. Like, all right, this, this whole, this whole movie. I also enjoyed before Mm. we move off the actors, I thought I really enjoyed Quinn, the security guard. I thought he was fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was a big fan of, I believe his name is Grand Bush, or Grand L. Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. He kind of played the Samuel L. Jackson from Jurassic Park one-liners role really well in this. There was there were big Deep Blue Sea vibes at certain points in this movie <laughs> uh, that, I, that I really appreciated. But like, yeah. Did this come out before Deep Blue Sea or after? When was Deep Blue Sea? Deep Blue Sea was 99, so this is... One to two years okay. after, or possibly three. Who knows? So they probably, you weren't wrong. They probably had just seen it and were like, oh, we're going to put those things in. And I mean, he was one of the other notable characters, right? All the other, all of the, mm-hmm. all of the soldiers were throwaways and half of the prisoners were. Oh, absolutely. But basically, right. So, um, you know, we, we get this whole opening scene where the, the engineers are talking to the warden about drilling, right? And this scene kind of, mm-hmm. this scene 
pulled me in because I, I could feel that style of like late nineties, early two thousands made for TV, uh, live action kind of, it's sort of in the vein of like the, the live action Hercules and Xena shows or like Mm -hmm. Stargate. You had that feeling of like, okay, these aren't, (laughs) these aren't exceptional actors, but the direction is good. And they have like character and some like banter to them that, that was really compelling. It's, it's absolutely logical what they're talking about. Now it may be stupid at times, like some of the science and their approaches, but Come you hear on. these conversations and you're like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here. And, and it, it like functions. the science. Wh- what do you mean? Right. Cause uh, okay. <laughs> Let's just get right down There's to the hollow, hollow rock, rock 12,000 feet underground. Actually, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So let's just start off. We're in this super secret international right. prison that's New being Alcatraz. built on the South Pole. And for reasons we don't know, they're drilling 12,000 feet into the core. Uh, probably for the same reason that uh, the entire prison exterior is slapped with blue LEDs and like does not feel like it's a contemporary prison. <laughs> like it feels like someone was making it. You know what it feels like? It feels like Lost Planet on the Xbox. All these establishing shots of oh, just like exteriors it- <laughs> with LEDs covered in snow. Winter. And, uh, I know yeah. that's not the average. We got a runway the here. Movie goers reference, but yeah, it reminds me Look a little up. bit too of um, from that same time frame, Red mm-hmm. Planet, where they would like show the uh, the exterior yeah. shots of like the Mars base, obviously being Mars, and you're just like, all right, someone thought this is what a base Which is like. Almost made me think. Well, uh, after this scene, I have some thoughts about how the script was composed, or how the maybe there were some mm-hmm. rewrites going on, but. They established this, you know, new Alcatraz, super prison in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the South Pole, which does matter, kind of. I guess. I get it back and forth. Well, it does matter because they put up timestamps at the beginning of most scenes. <laughs> and if you Thank pay attention, did. oh man, there's some shenanigans. But <laughs> yes, 12,000 feet, 12,000 feet. <laughs> Under the surface is a hollow rock, and we're trying to drill through it because I guess we're trying to set up like a thermal vent or something. Probably the best explanation. Yeah. <laughs> the the nerds are like, you can't drill through it because it could be under pressure because it's hollow, right? And so if it's pressurized, bad could stuff's going to happen. It. The warden's like, <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> a bunch of quitter talk. Yeah. Right? They respect like, scientists in this movie. <laughs> We bring you in for expertise and fuck your expertise. You could tell the engineers and the and the like prison staff are not on the same <laughs> team. Like they have had disagreements no. in the past. So, but Warren's in charge. Says we're drilling. Let's get a drilling. Drill, baby, drill. They drop the terms pure nitrogen and five thousand <laughs> psi. Uh, uh, they quickly. dropped the term. Uh, anything that's inside it was preserved a hundred percent how it was ten thousand years ago, which is where my brain shut off because it's pure nitrogen. <laughs> but it's five thousand psi of pure nitrogen. So whatever is preserved. Can you give inside, a reference point for those of us who aren't familiar with five thousand psi? Well, my tire is at like forty psi, right? Give or and take. if you puncture that, your car could flip over on the highway. Yeah, I don't know how we pressurize airplanes, but this is probably a lot more intense of a <laughs> pressure gradient between, you know, like, 
So we're gonna. You know what's not the rocks? What's that? when they pierce the rock and the explosion? They pierce the rock exactly. They're like, oh no, this five thousand psi explosions coming uh, up the shaft at us. I have a quote written down by one of the engineers going, "We got a lot of gas coming right at us." <laughs> A lot of gas, a lot of gas. <laughs> but down. ultimately, you know, the room gets shaken. There's a little bit of hoo and everybody goes over. about their day. I was, I was wondering if there was going to be a later on payoff between this division between the engineers and the prison staff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really think there is, but they, they seemed like they were setting up like, wow, these guys do not like each other. Yeah, it kind of had the, like, you're on Team Road Rules, you're on Team Real World, I can't like you kind of vibe. And I was like, oh, this is dumb. I What wasn't dumb to... was their oh. Sequest-style uniforms. Everybody looked good. Yeah, not gonna they looked lie. good. I mean, Late 90s, early 2000s, right. solid. Uh, for their trips through the industrial underground, which composes <laughs> about 90% of this prison, I guess. I'm curious where they shot this film, because I want to go visit this ridiculous place. Industrial underground. They're mm. like just, you know, the 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 piped, <laughs> you know, like corridors under a parking garage or something. Like. And then whatever room that final boa scene where Mark Shepard and his wife are running around in are. That's a room, but we'll get to it because mm-hmm. more importantly, we got to meet the protagonist of the film. Uh, not Indiana Jones. It's Dean Kane <laughs> teaching at Princeton University. Where he's a, pari- a paleontologist. I literally wrote, oh, God, Dean Kane is a scientist. Move over, Dr. Jones. <laughs> it's, it is 100% supposed to be that. So he's teaching and he's he's well known <laughs> for his theory on undiscovered <laughs> reptiles i really have to say that's a solid epitaph on your tombstone uh what's more solid is having your wife who is also a doctorate in the same thing sitting in on your last day of class oh my and, god he uh, stacked that audience the there there's a comp there's a quote about him talking about his thing, and I believe the quote is, the scientific community tends to frown on it when the only person who will support your theories happens to be your wife. Yeah, Dean, they do. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What I thought was kind of funny was he's giving this whole speech about leaving to a class of students who are like, we don't give a fuck, dude. Like, shouldn't he be doing this at like a faculty dinner or something? Maybe they've been in, you know, all semester. Maybe they're his favorite students. One of them, this sassy girl, goes in for a hug. And at this point, I had not actually looked at the cast breakdown. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, is this going to be second wife after the first wife gets killed by a snake? I had that same vibe, too. I'm like, oh, they're setting up tension with the wife. What we didn't realize is that's not the tension. The tension is he wants her to have a baby, and she doesn't want to have a baby. The tension gets established in this walking conversation where we find out that they're leaving for field work that she wants to leave for. Mm -hmm. Uh, He seems pretty indifferent towards because he wants to start a family and keep his teaching position. He's having to give up his tenure at Princeton, where he can talk all he wants about his theoretical frozen snakes to go on this grant work with his wife, which, guess what, dude? 
you should have had. You sh- I feel like their relationship probably should have seen this coming to a head well before this point in time. Well, I mean, ignoring the age of the actors, it's established that she was his student before they were married, right? Mm-hmm. So he's older. So oh, he's, he's uh, tapping into he married his own, a younger uh, his own woman. Yep. He married a younger woman. She's enthusiastic about doing some fieldwork archaeology or paleontology, whereas he mostly wants to do some local anatomy. If you the understand, the only thing what he I'm wants to get to into is her pants. Yeah, this is a biologically focused uh, archaeologist that he wants to be working. <laughs> okay, all right. Listen, <laughs> I am a professional comedy writer. That's not true. And there are some holes in this movie's plot, but that's okay. It makes up for it. Now, this seems like a kind of relationship issue that one may have wanted to hammer down ahead Mm. of getting married. Um, Yes. You know, we'll we'll elaborate on that a bit more because it will um, surprisingly (laughs) develop throughout the film. (laughs) That surprised me. Big shock that this relationship plot point gets come back to eventually. But more importantly... 10.38 p.m. somewhere over the Indian Ocean, we've got a plane. Are we taking down Bin Laden? Um, Mark Shepard's character, who's named Yuri, is on a plane, having a conversation with some other guys on the plane. Uh, ambiguous. I described him in my notes as an ambiguously Soviet guy. Yeah, uh, because that feel? He talks about the Russians like he's not Russian. We find out mm-hmm. later he's Chechnyan. Um, but okay, so yeah, I was correct. Ambiguously Soviet. Yeah. Eastern Bloc. We're talking about mm-hmm. missiles, right? Something about missiles. Blah, They're being blah, so blah. ambiguous. But then on the radar, two fighter jets coming in. Two clearly American fighter jets hanging out over the Indian Ocean. <laughs> okay, like you're you're either dead or arrested because you're in a freaking passenger plane. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything, or can you? Ooh. He just shout. He just shouts countermeasures. <laughs> I died. I died when he shouted countermeasures. They're countermeasures. like a Cessna, and he's like countermeasures. <laughs> you can't. They're... And they zig a missile. Like they, I'm like somewhere in the back of that fired. plane. Jay Z's like, hey man, this is my chartered flight. None of this. <laughs> a missile is fired, and they juke it, and we're like, hey, what? But then. <laughs> And Shepard is excited. He's like, yeah, man, good job. We got this. It, like, wasn't, a, this. it wasn't any missile, dude. <laughs> it was an EMP missile, which detonates and disables the instruments on the plane. Nothing about the plane needing to fly, just the instruments. Question about that. So, okay. Was your question, what year is it? Because that was my question. <laughs> One, yes, the timestamp did not have year. Um, but question two was, I kind of had this feeling that if you knocked out the electronics at most planes since like the 80s, they're probably not going to just fall, be able to follow for a while two fighter jets to a nice easy landing. I bet it would be rough. Uh, but, you know, future tech missiles aside... Oh, God. So after that happens, right, because the, the fighter jets have not once, like, uh, responded to any communications. They post up on the sides and lead the plane to uh, Diego Garcia, a military base. Who sounds in like Indian a cast Ocean. member of Reno 911. It actually exists. 
Oh, really? Diego Garcia is a real place. Wow. And it is roughly where they say it is. And it okay. is a U.S. slash U.K. military base. Wait, it's not an international federation secret tribal council of the preventative criminals measures prison? I think not that's yet. about what they call it. yet it, it isn't. Well, well, maybe it is. <laughs> That's that is the military base in the Indian Ocean, but mm-hmm. so that scene takes place at ten thirty eight p.m. Okay, our next timestamp eleven twenty three p.m. has them being ushered into their cells in the super prison in the Arctic, and I call bullshit. what kind of landing slash aggressive declothing and reclothing occurred? This was this was less than an hour and they were taken mm-hmm. off a plane first of all i've never even gotten off a plane in less than an hour like the plane landed at a military base they were removed from it they were then loaded up on other vehicles and taken to the arctic where they landed in another facility mm-hmm. and were like i don't know the word uh interred into a prison <laughs> like Okay. So is your issue that they're claiming it took way too long for that to happen? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) We had, what were you doing with all the extra 39 (laughs) minutes? Like, come seriously. This was just, this was nonsensical, but okay. The other reason that it bothers me is the timestamps are irrelevant. The majority of the action in the film will take place days later. That, and we'll talk about that because that bothered me a lot. (laughs) You don't get any heads up that it's happening. Irrelevant timestamps. But, okay, we're in the super prison, and uh, the cells are actually pretty nice. It feels kind of Stargate-y inside, yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, it's not like a future tech prison, but it is way nicer than any prison you'd ever be in. Or maybe um, a Farscape-y kind of feel it's not like a future tech prison right like the exterior was a future tech prison but the cells are kind of just like i mean it had a touch screen that told you the temperature outside you had a touch screen it had like a recessed bathroom which mm. i was like ooh, my goodness how much are we paying it had kind of like a swedish norwegian feel of like a nice independent like we want to rehabilitate you so we're not making you miserable kind of conditions yeah uh it was okay i was like mm. This is this is clearly a super prison for important people, yes. which is what it was going for. I also think this is the only set on the prison. This and the dining room are the only sets in the prison that aren't like industrial tunnels. Yeah. So that was fun. I mean, the warden comes in and gives him like a you're mine now, bitch kind of speech. You are you have been denationalized and uh <laughs> Put in this super prison by a committee of, like, 35 nations or something. I gotta say, this film from 2002 really nailed the future. <laughs> right. Well, you know, he was he was buying nukes, so, okay, hmm. you arrest him. Fine. He has no rights anymore, I guess. Apparently. Just collectively decided on, because, you know, one... One third of the UN decided that, I guess. 35 nations isn't a lot. It's enough. So that segues into the scene where they discover the ice hole. Holes might be more like it. So the warden and Sergeant Quinn get in touch with the engineers, and we find out back in the basement, there's just a there's just a big old hole. 
concrete wall. They're they're looking at it, and my instant right, I, I just looked at it. I'm like, you got yourself some ice snakes, buddy. Like, there's no way that's anything else. <laughs> a giant ice snake sized hole. Yeah. No, it's about it's about the size of a hole of if you drove a truck through. Yeah, if you're the gonna wall. make a corridor, that's probably what you do. It goes into a ice tunnel that leads to a, I think it's like a thermal exchange mm-hmm. shaft, or something. Yeah. But yeah, and everyone was talking about. Oh man, it would take four thousand men eight hundred days to cut just through a couple feet, and they're like all dumbfounded by this. And they're like, "What could have done this?" And all I could think of was, "You're the high tech future prison. You don't have a single camera covering every inch that could have picked up what happened here." And the answer is no. Until later, when the answer is absolutely no. yes. But <laughs> it's very confusing. Listen, it must uh, it must have been a gas explosion. <laughs> That's and- true. The two guys who understand science both agree that that is a bad explanation, but are like, I can't think of anything else that it could have been. So they honestly just don't want to say we know it's going to be an ice snake, but they're just going to laugh at us. (laughs) Some sort of serpentine creature from the depths coming to kill me. Like, but no, yeah, gas explosion. So I can keep. I did write at this point. We're 22 (laughs) minutes in, and there has not been enough Dean Cain in this movie. Uh, well, you know, it redeems itself, but early on, we do not guess get the DC what? I want. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait a little longer, <laughs> yes, because we're gonna introduce our cast of the rest of the super prisoners, starting with Kelly Mitch, Prince of Darkness, as he uh ascribes to himself. Uh, I called him, <laughs> I called him quote unquote cool hacker. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I called him Ian too because yeah. he reminded me way too much. He of had some of uh, the hair that I. Uh, if we ever release a video, we probably won't. But the hair that I got going on right now is a decent approximation of the front of his hair. He looked like a twenty-something my brother. My God, and uh, he was a hacker doofus. Who's <laughs> <was> the worst? <laughs> and basically, he comes into the scene to uh, start shit with a woman and uh, be an idiot. Absolute um, idiot. Right. That woman, uh, Patricia O'Boyle, IRA, who uh, drops the great line when he comes on to her, uh, I would have lesbian sex with your dead grandmother before I would even consider the likes of you. You know what? Which I still think she left the door open because she chose his grandmother. <laughs> At least she stayed in the bloodline. There, you, you got a chance. <laughs> it could happen, boy. She's feisty. We're, we're not out yet. We're not out yet. I was so confused at why this prison let all six of its prisoners, as they announce, this is what they've got going on right now. But they're bringing twenty thousand in next month. Um, just dine like all this, six. like super prison communal dining room. <laughs> uh, they thought this through. So we learned that Yuri's uh, sidekick's name is Peter Yuval, mm-hmm. and there are two other prisoners, uh, Jose and Ben Shad. I don't know what Jose did, but Ben Shad was involved with Iraqi chemical weapons. Oh, but you don't need to remember, I remember the two what of Ben them. Shea did because they say something along the lines of remember Oklahoma City or something like that. And it made me remember oh, no, that was, Jose had something to do with Oklahoma. And I was at this point in this film, I said, there's a lot of strong glorifying attacking America in this film. Like, well, that's who's, about in this, that's who's in the D Nation super prison. Duh. So another seed, right? We're we basically have the lineup of super prisoners, mm-hmm. right? So in my head, I say, okay, this has to have a payoff, then, right? Because 
at some point, these super prisoners are going to be relevant in the movie, and we're going to need to know that Ben Shad was an Iraqi chemical weapons maker, and that Patricia was in the IRA, and that Kelly Mitch is a hacker. We're going to need a hacker later. Okay, I see what you're doing. And something about the Oklahoma oh, oh, City great. bombing. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to need yeah. a bomb. Awesome. Cool stuff. Little did you know that we're not going to see these people <laughs> for the next hour of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, little did I know, (laughs) breathing is coming from the ice hole, or a sound that is similar to breathing. uh, The closed captions for this snake has some interesting choices on what they think snake anatomy can produce. So they have like a command room, which is like a, it's like a decagon Mm -hmm. shaped room with three sets of six monitors on each wall. It kind of gave me Professor X vibes. It's... (laughs) Yeah, it's Cerebro. This is where we find all the mutants. No, there's like, there's just like, there's just like sets of six CRTs on each wall. There's like a mid, high, and low section of each mm-hmm. wall. So you have like three sets of six. And then it just, I believe it was a deck of gone. Really small uh, screen. And then there's a single chair in for the For the middle. guy in the middle to be able to actually yeah. see them effectively. <laughs> yeah. The dude's sitting like six <laughs> feet away from like a 14 inch monitor trying to read. What's and this going was pre flat screen. Are, you know, these were not good monitors. And they're all black and white. Two monitors. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie was not filmed in high definition. <laughs> no. uh, none of those monitors were HD either. <laughs> which, which at least explains why this guy is giving poor Jenkins the worst advice. Because Jenkins actually has good instincts. All right, I love this exchange because it told us exactly how competent the guards were. Because Quinn, Sergeant Quinn, is on, you know, uh, watch over duty in the command Mm -hmm. room. (laughs) And Jenkins is like, I think I hear something from the hole. (laughs) (laughs) And and Sergeant Quinn's like, no, you don't. (laughs) Bro, you don't. No, you don't. Stop it. No, I, I think I do. Jenkins, there's nothing. Jenkins, there. you're well, you're in an ar- Arctic glacier and you're not wearing gloves. You don't hear anything in the hole. Back and forth ensues, and then Jenkins is ordered to go into the oh, hole. All I could think was like, Jenkins, don't go in the ice tunnel. You know this is a bad idea. Without backup, yeah. he's oh he they freaking hang a lantern on it because he's like what alone? Yeah. They're like, yeah, you're the one there. But he's no okay. I'll call the uh, I'll call the sleeping engineers. Not my guards. Not guards. Because <laughs> I don't want to wake my guards. Give you back my boys. But but get in the flipping hole, Jenkins. That is an interesting trope that comes up multiple <laughs> times in this, in this movie of people questioning the terrible tactical advice that they're given and then just going, "All right, then, okay." I mean, I am a a layman when it comes to strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm a non non professional did not go to West Point. I did not study the military arts. But oh man, everybody in this oh, movie is dumber than me. My God. Because... <laughs> All right. You don't know there's a murder snake here yet. Fine. You make some bad choices. Just like Jenkins going into the pipe. But once you know there's a murder snake, you should probably stop making bad choices. What? When Jenkins is in the pipe, I believe he puts his gun down. I mean, because at that point, you know a giant snake's going to eat you, and that gun is useless. So Jenkins is gone. The engineers pull up in their car, and we have the classic uh, dripping liquid moment Mm -hmm. where Peluso is like, I can't see. I don't see Jenkins. There's nobody here. And then we get, like, my I think the coolest shot in the movie 
it's like a one take camera pan or camera spin yep. around Peluso from like lower and then it closes up on his face and then he gets wrapped by the snake. I enjoyed that. Which in this scene, snake looks pretty good. It's CG. It's old CG. This scene doesn't look too I bad. I actually thought, and it was one of the notes I took toward the end of the movie, but since we're talking, we'll do it now. They don't do a terrible job for 2001 CG or 2002 CGI snake. It's not and it's not an embarrassment. It's not no offense but early asylum level CGI or you know it although the plane landing and taking off does have some like command and conquer red alert quality CGI vibes to it, but you watch them and you're like all right fine it's a snake. It doesn't make me go. I didn't laugh at it how at being comically bad. I got annoyed that they didn't show the kills for more than two seconds, and they were really... Sh- I think they hit it in a lot of ways, which is probably smart. Well, so I, I think of uh, I think of graphics uh, in video games, and I think of years in video mm-hmm. games, right? Uh, so, I mean, 2002 was like uh, Morrowind, Warcraft 3, Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. uh, Metroid Prime, like, things that are very classic like graphically you know uh you'd see the pixels still right you could still see that line of old uh old era tech right we're nowhere near the the uncanny valley yet we're just on the verge of the original xbox i think the highest fidelity graphically fidelity game that came out in 2002 was like splinter cell yeah which looked great great at time and i think that the level of work on this snake is probably comparable. So like if you're not a 30 year old man or a 30 plus year old adult, who's been consuming media since that time, you might think this snake kind of looks shitty, but I think it looks pretty good for the time period it came out in. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it did a solid job for the time. So like that was cool. Again, I was a little bummed out that we didn't get to see a little bit longer kills, a little bit more gruesome kills. But hey, I'm not. I'm not. It's a minor demerit. You should be. You should be more bummed out by the fact that more than half the kills that take place in this movie are not caused by a snake. (laughs) Okay. Yes, that pissed me (laughs) off, and we'll get to that in a moment. I was actually the most annoyed. So we're gonna do a little jump in here. well, we're, we're just let's just say at this point we're down three people. Three people have now died. The snake kills the two engineers and has yep. killed Jenkins. So there we go. We're gonna jump to the equator and a really nice uh, archaeological site where uh, Dean Kane and his wife are still fighting about him wanting her to have a baby. <laughs> well, it is one forty-six p.m., so that would be the time to have that argument. Now, the way the film is shot, I'm assuming this is parallel time. In reality, this is it's four days later. It's three, three days. days later. That's three days. Seventy-two hours. So let's really quickly just revisit Dean Kane and his doctor wife. I'm going to call her doctor wife because no one else does, but apparently she has a doctorate, and I'd like her to get her credit name is for Jessica. It. So Doctor Jessica and Dean Kane and Doctor Dean Kane. Um, doctor Jean. They were they left Princeton three days ago to do this grant research. Yep. They're getting a letter saying already Princeton wants them to come back and discuss the grant research. Yeah, we got to talk about your grant. I don't think that was, I don't think anybody actually finalized what that. What buyer's remorse did Princeton have? <laughs> we sent the Arctic snake guy to the equator to dig up rocks. I think we might want to rethink we need, this. 
We need the unknown lizards professor back. We're losing students yeah. like crazy. Dude, they are so upset that they can't take frozen slithers 101. He's just our curriculum is in shambles without oh. this move. But so anyways, <laughs> they that revelation turns into this giant fight between Dr. Jessica and Dr. Dean Kane to the point that they don't see these army Humvees storming up to their quiet archaeological site. And they get interrupted and they didn't notice so much that they tersely turn to a soldier and go, what do you want? <laughs> I still think I'm still just shocked how reasonable their marital problems are. Yeah. <laughs> like it's literally the most grounded thing in this entire movie. And like, yeah, uh, we're just a bunch of normal dudes having an argument with our wives over, you know, the the roadmap we have for the next five years with our relationship and she wants to go slow and I want to go fast. And um, she's just a reasonable wife saying, hey, respect what my career is too and let's have an actual conversation. I'm not just going to do what you want, Superman. Yeah, but now the army's here to talk to us <laughs> about the giant murder snake in the super prison. Well, so- all right, let's, let's, okay, so they don't, and that's an interesting approach they take. All right. <laughs> so the army comes up and is like, right. are you Dr. Dean Kane and Dr. Jessica? And they're like, yeah, w- what do you want? And they're like, yes, we need you for a project. And they're like, why us? And they're like, you're two successful paleontologists. And he goes, there's like, tw-. all right, first off, I question that there are 20 more qualified paleontologists out there if you're teaching at Princeton. But he's like, there are 20 more qualified people. Why do you need us? And the army goes, you're the only one that's published a paper on theoretical frozen snakes. <laughs> it's like, the army does its Pretty research. <laughs> right. They come to him with the pitch of, we found a sealed chamber mm-hmm. 12,000 feet down of pure nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And we want you there to see all the cool, undiscovered biodiversity that we're just pulling out of history perfect it and why dr jessica's pregnant dr instantly. jessica yeah. <laughs> dr jessica is like oh yeah she literally okay, throws going. a shovel to a dude to and it. says you're in charge of this now <laughs> yeah uh which incidentally is how i'm quitting my next job it's a really good quit she's in it a thousand percent and dean kane's like we already just uprooted our life to come here to do this thing which we've done for at most a day and a half based on <laughs> Yeah, right. Times. We've only j- just gotten started. <laughs> and now we're going to the Arctic to start another thing. And she's like, once in a lifetime chance, hon. Once in a lifetime. This is it. This is the thing. It's going to validate all our research. We're going to be fucking balling. So we got to go. And he's like, <sighs> against my... <laughs> I wrote, stop being a bitch, Dean Kane. Go to Ice Snake Prison. <laughs> I wrote, maybe you guys could just, like, maybe she could go and you could stay or go back to Princeton. You guys could take, like, a couple years apart. Oh, man. I want that movie where she goes, never comes back, and Dean Cain is dejected and just trying to figure out what happened and becomes, like, this super spy archaeologist Dr. Jones style, sneaking into this broken down, defeated prison, finding the snake corpse injecting unidentified lizard blood into him to give him superpowers. (laughs) I need that movie. I hope that's Boa too. All right. They're on a cargo plane with a team. Uh, The team is a bunch of soldiers, and they're the only scientists. And they're they're assholes. (laughs) They're folksy assholes, because Dean Cain asks asks them what's up, and they all kind of laugh that he's not informed. And one of them says... 
old Captain Thomas is a little light in the loafers when it comes to giving out information. Oh, the old, the, you know what? The classic army complaint about their, you know, supervisors. Them light in the loafers. While we are 15 minutes out from our destination, we are now informed that, and no, you're not going to an archaeological dig. You are going to a super prison where there's a murder snake. Also, we expect you guys to solve this, so if you could just figure that out, thanks. Also, there is no approach lights, no beacon, the the site has gone dark, and there's actually like a weird scene mm-hmm. where he kind of repeats that statement. I caught that. Where he's like, no. Because <laughs> Dean Cain wasn't there to hear it the first time, and he really wanted to hear Dean, Dean Cain to hear him deliver this line. <laughs> I think it's like a weird cutting thing, because this happened before back at the campus there's like a when they're having a walk and talk there's a line about their relationship mm-hmm. which like is basically dropped twice like they're they're mildly interrupted and then he says the whole sentence again it was just kind of weird uh, they they kind of go around a corner i think and <laughs> they're like did you catch that we're going to do it again yeah i feel like this was just like an editing issue like that they meant to chop it I was just saying, I think this was just something in continuity and editing they just missed, but I'm glad because it gave one of my favorite characters a second chance to be sassy, which is the pilot of this cargo plane. Dude, this is my favorite black pilot since Snake's on a plane. He's great. Which, incidentally, <laughs> has many plot similarities. <laughs> uh, a, a very significant <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this was at 100% uh, an 100% inspiration for Snake's on a plane. Folksy asshole, major captain, whatever his title mm-hmm. is. Basically, when he hears that there is no approach lights, we cannot see a beacon, there is no visibility, and we have no idea where the runway with, just says, gotta put her down somewhere. You're very cavalier about this crash landing that is happening. Right what is now. his state of mind with his well being that he's just like, fuck it, land, I don't care? Put her down somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, Sassy Pilot can land a plane. Like, this was one of the best landings I've ever fictionally seen. All right, but then he drops the the clock for the rest of the film, which is the plane is leaving in 12 hours. The next cargo plane is due in 30 days. So. Solve it. 12 hours, or you're stuck here for a month. This movie did feel a lot like Blue Stinger, the game, where you had a lot of running yeah. around in between things, like we're about to have as they get off the plane to try and get to where you're going. Well, my question is, uh, how's he fueling it? They exit the plane mm. and literally cannot see the building. They didn't land on a runway. And they've already established that they don't have enough fuel where turning around was not an option to go back to the mainland. But he's going to fuel it up and leave in 12 hours, so... I guess he's just amazing at his job. I'm just going to say, yeah, hacks. Guy knows what he's doing. He can figure it out. It does help. does not help that they spend 12, 10 of the 12 hours wandering around the outside of the base trying to get into it. You know, unrelated as a New Englander, I don't think the snow looks that bad. No, that was like that. You can land I'm in driven that storm. Yeah, snow. you can land in that storm. I think they over exaggerated. That is not South Pole snow. So eventually they get in and they enter what I called a combination of the Hypercube Event Horizon airlock. <laughs> this, I got a lot of Event Horizon uh, uh, vibes from, tr- or they were trying to be, the vibe not being scary or intense, but just like some of the scenery styles. 
Were there like were there like big panel lights? Yeah. I feel like there were like panel lights. Like it was like a white hexagonal corridor with like panel lighting. It reminds me more of the um that hallway scene in the first Resident Evil movie in the Umbrella Corporation where the laser chops the guy up. It's got a very like moon base mm-hmm. or tech kind of vibe to it, which does not match any of the other scenes we've seen here, but I guess this is just the airlock because the <laughs> next room is like a concrete room yeah. with like a door scanner. We're going into the boiler area of a football stadium for the rest of this movie. The major uh, points out that he's got the only key, mm-hmm. right? So he opens the door to get in, but uh, that's it. And you don't right? just need the key. You need his handprint, his retinal scan, it's very late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Okay. So without him, you're trapped in. Almost immediately, we meet up with the warden and the guards, and we get a mind fuck that it has been two weeks since this started. It's been two weeks since this has started, which doesn't match. It was seventy two hours at the equator. It's now two weeks. Incidentally, it's been two weeks, and six people are dead. Okay, oh. I'm so angry because the snake, we saw it kill three people. Why wouldn't you let us see it kill three more people? Why would you just tell us that in exposition? It killed three more people over the course of two weeks. Either. Like, oh, most days were fine. What we'll learn in a little bit, because we're not going to see him for a while, and I just want you to know, the prisoners have no idea. No one's. Are they feeding them? Have they just forgotten about the prisoners? Are they just hiding? Because the prisoners seem to be doing just fine and don't know anything. We get to a, a map table where we start expositoring at each other. And, uh, all right, Dean Kane's given his, like, thoughts about the, the snake's patterns, where it's going to be, where based off heat and movement and what. And uh, at one point, there's this great exchange between Sergeant Quinn and Dean Kane where, uh, Dean Kane's like, uh, yeah, it's like a real-life Jurassic Park. <laughs> and Sergeant Quinn says, I saw Jurassic Park. Everybody got killed. <laughs> I loved it. And then Dean Kane almost sheepishly is like, not everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And then, and then the warden says, this is not a movie. I got a prison to run. Lying on both accounts because uh, it is a movie and he's pretty bad at running. This scene had a lot of really great quotable moments. I enjoyed oh, one yeah, where they go, all right, we're going to work together. We're going to hunt down and kill it. And Dean Kane and Dr. Jessica are like, oh, no, we have to capture it. And the warden turns to him and goes, yeah, keep it. I'm not running no motherfucking game preserve. <laughs> Which I'm like, you're right. That's accurate. You are not. Yeah, the, it's, it is stated that when the snake's dead, they can have it. They also kind of scope out the size. I think they say it's like 80, is it feet? They say it's over 80 feet long, and Dean Kane goes, that's a large snake, to which the sergeant has to correct him, big, that's a motherfucking understatement. <laughs> <laughs> like, these, this dialogue is peak. Have you been workshopping these while you're hiding from the snake, waiting for someone to talk about this stuff? Because he was ready for one-liners. This is the most written scene in the movie, and you can it tell, because everything about it is gold. Yeah. What's not so great is they're they're approach to how they're going to handle this <laughs> you mean we're going to have these uh what is it it's like five or six soldiers <laughs> head down to the tunnel and just like all right so the guards aren't going the guards 
have basically taken the stance of it's not our job to get killed by a snake, which is fair. So the soldiers yeah. go down by themselves into the tunnel. Quinn and the doctors head to the control room with the warden. Mm-hmm. And the major just starts splitting dudes off from the group. <laughs> He's like, Instantly. you two down there, you two down there, you two down there. The soldiers look at each other and like, uh, by ourselves? Yeah, they get they get split to a pair, and then he radios to the pair to split off. And they're like, "Are you, uh, really? Come on, man. <laughs> You're just trying to kill me, aren't you? So surprising nobody, the the soldiers who get isolated are killed off. I think the two, I think one of the two is killed visually. I believe he gets uh, speared by a snake. It reminded me in Nightmare of Noom, which we watched recently, where like the car chase accident where the motorcycle would flip over and hit the ground and then cut instantly. You're like, Ed, we got to see nothing of what happened there, but okay. Yeah, the the soldiers are just kind of ambiguously getting off, and the major demands that the guards come help over the radio. What was interesting during the snake offing them, and you mentioned mm-hmm. this sort of in passing when we first saw the, the ice hole, is the closed mm-hmm. captions wrote, the snake was roaring, which I snake thought was roars. a very interesting 10,000-year-old um, snake habit that we are learning for the first time thanks to this great discovery. Yeah, I thought snakes like... Uh, well, I I, re- I realized that I didn't know a ton about snakes as they started True. talking about the science because they were like, it'll go mm-hmm. someplace warm, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then they're like, snakes can't see movement, and I'm like, I don't know if that's... <laughs> re- or, or no, snakes can't hear We've had multiple, oh yeah, we've, snakes can't hear, because I say, we've had multiple shots of the terrible snake vision, which is just kind of sort of infrared. It's like a, there's like a wavy effect over it, and mm. it's kind of just like, uh, it's not even like an infrared red, it's just like a red. <laughs> the snake has, the snake has been living on some good drugs, for some good nitrogen for 10,000 years. So the major demands that the guards come help which prompts an argument between the warden and Sergeant Quinn. And the warden threatens to fire him if he doesn't go. So he goes. (laughs) And what was funny was the sergeant goes, who are you going to replace me with? An accurate, logical response. And the warden's bullshit, any fucker I can find. How is that convincing to you in this life or death situation? As, oh, you trumped me. I better call in my guys. None of these guys need to go. They could just be like, no, No. we're okay. I'm fired, but no, I'm still. (laughs) I don't know. It made no sense. As Quinn goes to leave, another thing that makes no sense Dean Kane signs up. He volunteers to come down. Quinn (laughs) unquestionably just drops, Welcome to the party. (laughs) Welcome to the party. My favorite line in this movie. Dean's rationale is, well, I'm not doing anything here. You know what you're not doing here? Dying. Not yes, dying here. you are alive. Jessica jumps in as well. I was expecting, so Jessica, so we then see them like walking out and Jessica jumps in and I was expecting another baby fight right here and I was really disappointed at this point. I was in on baby fighting at this point now. I wanted it here. We didn't get it. Air Be out better. your maritals. Come on. Yeah. What better time, you know, walking from class, archaeological dig, snake danger. The perfect times to argue about children. So while this is happening, the the warden is like coordinating the soldiers over his 
mm-hmm. the world's worst radar or whatever he's using, and the whole op is just a clusterfuck. Like it's a it, terrible command. Map. Command, not even with like the the physical activities, but like command keeps switching between the warden and the major. Like the major will start doing a thing, and a warden will be like, "No, you have to go the other way," and the major will be like, "Okay," and they'll do it. But like, yeah. in theory, the major is in charge. The warden shouldn't have any oversight. He's made it very clear that they're not they're coming to kill this before we get people out of here. And the warden got kind of steamrolled. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. They end up shooting a guard named Simmons because he looks like a snake on the radar. <laughs> okay, and by looks like a snake, you mean it was a giant yellow arrow going in the way of the three yellow arrow. arrows that were his men. And, and the and- warden's like, shoot it, shoot it. And they're like, we don't have any visual. He's like, it's coming right for you, shoot it, you <laughs> so I was expecting the snake to be in like the pipes above them. You know, that's what I thought was going to happen. But no, they just kill Simmons. We get the shot up body of Simmons. Poor boy. You know who's not pleased about it? The Major. Major is not pleased. He throws his microphone headset. He's so displeased. He tossed his mic headset. Quinn, the guards, and the doctors are coming in on a little truck. Slowly. And and Dean's like, snakes can't hear. They sense vibrations. We should walk. And uh, Quinn's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not walking. I'm not walking. And Dean's like, but we'll die. We'll we'll be we'll be making ourselves a beacon for the snake and die is the understanding behind that statement. And Quinn's like, "Any you guys want to walk?" Yeah, yeah, I didn't think so. And then he just drives away. He's like, "Asshole! Like you're a winner. You went from my favorite to a winner." Everyone in this movie who dies deserves to die based mm-hmm. on how absolutely. Stupid and cavalier they are about the giant snake situation. Well, you know who doesn't deserve to die are the next two guards who get <laughs> solid snakes snuck up on. And yes, I had to use solid yeah. snake snuck up on in, in my writing. Yeah. <laughs> As we get stealth snake for a moment, which is hilarious to me. Stealth snake kills two. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a situation where my notes are, everyone blows up because of dumb stuff. <laughs> Basically, the major (laughs) just start. So not only are we in industrial underground, but the pipes in industrial underground are all carrying like flammable or combustible gases. Yeah. And they did set that up. There was like a throwaway line. So I gave it. It was fine. Yeah. But the major just starts firing off his gun and one thing leads to another and all of the soldiers explode. (laughs) So, okay, I'm going to try and and describe it because I want you to explain to me the delay that happens in this moment. So after solid snake snipes, two soldiers, I tried to get as many S's in that sentence as possible. (laughs) Our major turns around, starts firing at it and the snake actually runs away. So they're in this long hallway and in the middle of it, there's a little staircase up and like a cross hallway and the snake runs up and it goes over that. And on that top cross hallway, our major hits a bunch of gas pipes and they burst, but they don't explode yet. I've, don't worry about it. So the warden realizes, oh no, there's gas. And coming from the other end of the hallway are all his guys on trolleys. Yeah. Like Austin Powers' little hallway trolleys yeah, going the other yeah. way. And Golf the warden's like, don't go that way! But the signal isn't working. So somehow, I don't know how, <laughs> the 30-second delay between the pipe getting shot and exploding 
is just enough time for everyone to be right underneath it and die in fire. So yeah, it's literally all of the soldiers and guards. All oh, yeah. of them explode. The only reason Dean and Jess don't explode is because they've been walking. But yeah, they are now they are the entire force to take out this snake. And I think Dean Kane has like a pistol. Um <laughs> Oh, he does, because at one point he will throw that at the snake in frustration, which made me happy. But, but you know, uh, the snake comes for them, because they're the only things left here. And, um, you know, oh. they run from it, and then they wait, get... Wait, 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 hold on. Hold yeah. On. Before they run from it. So, they come onto the bridge, snake's in the hallway, like, eating all these corpses oh, yeah, as yeah. it would. Actually, yeah. I appreciated that. It wouldn't waste that food. Dean Cain's like... All right, we gotta sneak out of here. His wife's like, "I want to take a picture. It's history." And yeah, she's like, "Science, bitch." And he goes, "I just don't want to die," <laughs> which is such a great reaction in that moment. Relatable, Kane. Wife takes a picture, gets the snake's attention. They have to sprint back down the hallway, up a ladder. They have trouble getting a cage off the ladder. Dean gets up there. His wife, oh, she can't quite get up there. The snake knocks her off the ladder. He thinks she's dead, yeah. but she crawls into yeah. a little pipe thing, and the snake goes its own way. Yeah, she ends up in an air vent. He gets back up to the, the prison, busts in on the warden, <laughs> and is just like, is just unhappy about the current situation with the dead wife yep. and all the people. And yep. um, there are now less than four hours until the plane leaves. So he proposes that we let the prisoners out and get a arm. How did this take eight hours? Because we watched it in real time. Well, because, because the plot mandated that time passed that way. Yeah, no, that was like 40 minutes and it was not eight hours. But less than four hours to the plane leaves and his argument to sell the warden because the warden's like i can't morally let those guys out of their jail cells and dean kane's it's not a fucking moral issue it's simple mathematics yeah more people more chance to survive yeah i mean he's not wrong at this point we are one hour and five minutes in the movie and i was like oh we're finally gonna get this prisoner snake movie i was expecting yeah um you could have a curtain drop right now and say act three (laughs) Uh, yes, and I wouldn't could. be you surprised because that's we we have a scene where the prisoners gets the you know we we have a little bit of you know dicking with them, but prisoners all get out and are armed. Hey, Dean Kane's a good deal maker, is what it comes down to. Okay, he can make some sweet deals between two parties. Yeah, the warden doesn't want to do it, but we can tell that Yuri has kind of become the boss of the prison over the last two weeks because uh, you know everybody's going to kill the warden when they get out of the cell, but he's like, hey, we gave him our word. Okay. Mark Shepard, I know you're going to be my favorite character in this movie. I get it. So we formulate a plan of taking two teams to get to the ice hole. So before we go into that, a lot of the movies you and I have done when we've had you on the podcast have had some third act problems. I am so happy to say that this movie doesn't have as many third act problems as the last ones. So, you know, this one of the things about this movie that really both kind of contextualizes it or makes it feel like it's time period to me and also makes it just watchable is that the Mm -hmm. whole thing is moving along at a pretty rapid pace. There's not a lot of wasted time. There's not a lot of like exposition is done in mainly three different scenes throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Right. We have the the scene where, you know, he's on the plane getting told what's going on. He had the scene Mm -hmm. where he's explaining to them what the strategy is. And then we have this scene right here where we are now building our final plan to do stuff. 
everything else is pretty much just banter. This was the only part of the movie that felt like it was a little long and slowed down for me. Is mm. I felt like they stood around this stupid red room table a little bit too long for my liking. So as I said earlier, when we introduced this super squad of villains, right? Mm-hmm. This should be the payoff point of that, right? We have yes. several different people with several different talents and personalities, and we should be building basically like a, a heist to get out of here, right? Like, oh, we need the hacker oh, for yeah. this. Oh, we need the bomber for that. Oh, we need the bomber. Okay, so the plan this we come up with... army of the dead part of the movie, you know? So, so the plan we come up with is to split into two teams and go to the ice hole <laughs> where we can just leave. So you're telling me we introduced them just so we knew there were six. <laughs> well, we got to split into two teams so we can go to Ice Hole and leave, right? We're down to six. Uh, we're down to eight total people, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, team A is the Warden and, the, and uh, Dean Kane, uh, and then uh, the Hacker and the IRA woman who hate yep. each other. And then Team B, which seems underpowered. Terrible draft picks that way. I would have totally split them up in kickball. I think, yeah, I think they're a little. Uh, a little nerfed compared to the other team, which is just four, uh, you know, Mark Shepard, uh, Yuri and his bud, and then the two other nameless villains, essentially nameless villains who didn't really have any dialogue. At this point. But they look like they could walk in a straight line functionally. So you're like, all right, four you're going to be able to guns. move. You're fine. No one yeah. has issues in this group. Mark Shepard's way better at picking his players. Yeah. They all look like proper criminals, whereas the hacker is clearly useless in combat. And the IRA lady is actively already saying that she what wants to kill What the fuck him. is up with their whole <laughs> making an IRA statement in 2002 in this Boa Snake Arctic prison movie? Because they mention it all the time. Well, that's just her. That's her one trait. <laughs> like, that's her character trait. Like, we didn't. This guy is this guy is quirky hacker, right? Like overconfident, arrogant, quirky hacker guy, right? Makes sense. Late 90s, that was a thing. And Yuri is like a vaguely Soviet competent criminal with a military background guy. Bit of the mastermind, yep. Patty's whole thing is just Irish violence. And that it, it was encompassed. <laughs> like, that's the thing they pick. It's like, you're Irish it's violence, It's just lady. such that's a it. weird choice. It's weird. Like, but I mean, you, it's no. It had to have been the... like throw darts at a board. Oh, we got Irish violence. Okay, that's what Patty is. Oh, we're gonna name her Patty. It's perfect. Listen, this was two thousand two. Sure. All right. You know, we were putting people into boxes everywhere. This is just what we had, right? It made no sense. It's but I was funny. Like, it's it is funny just because of the stupid lines that a hacker tries to throw. I don't even think I wrote them at this point. I wrote they had an argument at one point. Someone complains about him shutting down AOL. <laughs> yeah, he he makes a bunch of dumb claims, which are funny as a person who works in tech. But OK, um, so they split into teams, right? Team A, Team B. So Team A seems underpowered, but fortunately, Team B, Team B immediately gets attacked by the snake. So mm-hmm. in theory, Team A is safe for the scene where the hacker steals a golf cart. Uh, starts getting trigger happy with his gun, drives straight off, and then literally drives into the snake and gets tail stabbed. Uh, at this point, I was like, do snakes have spikes on their tails? Because I don't think oh, that that's a thing. This one does, because it's going to come back again. This one does, but is that a thing, right? 10,000 years ago, it was a thing. No species of snake 
No snake shit. species has any sort of stinger on its tail. Well, shit. Internet instantly contradicted itself. Well, the next people ask statement is, do snakes have a hemipenis? Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to check. That's for you, the listeners, to discover on your own. So the warden blows up by shooting a gas line. Okay, the same <laughs> gas line that already was exploded and killed a bunch of people. I wondered in my notes, how many times can the same gas pipeline explode? I just want to say it's about 13. It's, it's less than 13 minutes from the beginning of the third act. And both mm-hmm. Team A and Team B are down to two people. <laughs> I like that. I like the speed. They're like, we're finishing strong. But out of those deaths, only one of the snake kills is on screen, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of them is just like a crush against a pole. It's down to just the war criminals on Team B. And Team A is Dean Kane and Patty. And Patty has an issue with snakes. I would at this point, too. <laughs> no, she has an Irish issue with snakes. Which is, uh, apparently, there's no snakes in Ireland. Well, uh, sure. Okay. Uh, You know what? I'm not going to Google it. I'm just going to say yes. She's Uh. a good Christian girl, and she knows that all the snakes are run out of Ireland because snakes are evil. And so she tells, she makes a promise with Dean Cain. Promise no snake will kill me. Which right now is kind of hard to meet. Right? Given that that is currently the the largest cause of death in this hemisphere. uh, Or this uh, continent. That is up there with if Dean Kane turned to his wife at this point, it's like, promise we'll have a baby. And, you know, you're like, oh, you've got a lot of other priorities that are going to be hard to make that one, well, that one fulfilled. Speaking of Dean Kane's wife, Team B runs into her, just wandering yeah. around in the tunnels like she's a little haggard, but a little nitrogen there. drunk, you know, uh... to keep the status quo. As soon as she shows up, the other guy gets killed. So it's just oh, yeah. Jerry and the wife. Yeah, we we go down to our two pairs, and I was really disappointed with all the stakes in this movie and the obvious Doctor Jones role of Dean Cain that we didn't get a. I hate I hate snakes line. No, or why did it have to be a snake? snakes? Why no one hates it? snakes? Yeah, Yuri and Jessica make it to the ice tunnel, and they bomb a hole in the surface, and she's like, "I can't leave. I can't leave without my husband." Fair and Yuri. Noted war criminal, arrested mm-hmm. by a tribunal of 35 countries, tried and sent to a super prison, says, I promise I'll come back for him. And she says, okay, and they leave. But you know what? He says it with those eyes that just make you want to go, I believe you, but I also think you're stealing from my 401k. They kind of had a little vibe going, the two of them. Like, they had good chemistry. Dude, Mark Shepard can't have good chemistry with people. He's perfect. Like he is no, in, in another life kind of vibe where it was like, yeah, we could have, but like, we're we could have. You could have lived a little more dangerous life. And she's like, I could have made you settle down. Oh wait, I don't want to settle down. <laughs> you wouldn't buy nukes if I was around. I could change him. Yuri and wife have fled. Team A gets to the tunnel. We can see that they're the second team to the tunnel because Yuri left his gun there. Because who would need that? They make it to the same tunnel. Snake's coming. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Patty. Uh, I yeah. know we made a promise. But we're going to climb up this icy little ramp that's been bombed out, and uh, you're going to slide down with that snake. Now, she's question: slow so sliding snake, to the snake. <laughs> slow sliding to the snake. And she's, this was kind of like 
hilariously but sad. She's like, "Don't let this happen." And I mean, that is what like, her face. I is won't. And she's like, "You are." Really, <laughs> <laughs> how, how mean, that scene went. <laughs> uh, so, uh, actually, surprising me. Because at this point, I didn't think he'd do it. Dean Cain uh, fulfills his promise and shoots her. Do you think he fulfilled his promise or he was just such a terrible shot? Because he shot a ton of shots first before the kill shot. And I think he was just trying to hit the snake. Either way. Because he gets so mad when she's... Because you see her body flopped over and the snake dragged her down. And he's so mad he just throws the gun at the snake. Listen, either way, quest completed. Doesn't matter yeah. who, who finished it. She got shot. Doesn't matter if you hit your optional objectives. You got the main one. She was only maybe 40% of the way into that snake when she got shot. So it mm-hmm. didn't kill her. It's fine. Mostly killed her. So like Dean climbs to the surface and basically collapses. I was really nervous we were going to get a stupid quick ending here. Right? So... Noted war criminal also keeps his promise that he made to wife several minutes ago. Comes back for Dean Kane and helps him to the plane. And when he gets there, his wife's there and they have a little hug moment, right? My only theory is when Dean brokered the deal between, you know, the Palestinians, I mean, the, the prisoners and the warden, um, <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he and Yuri shared a moment. was like, I can't promise you. I don't have the power to get you off, but you're going to have a better chance out there and I'm not going to stop you kind of thing. And they looked and was like, all right, you're giving me my shot. You're a good guy. I'm really a good guy. I think it's just literally that they wrote a character who keeps his word. Like he, he promised the warden that the prisoners wouldn't kill him. And he said, no, we're mm-hmm. not going to kill him. And then like, he's promised the wife he'd go back for the husband. And he did. And I was just like, okay, I didn't expect you to. And I know you're going to talk about the plot later on once we finish up this in a second, but because we're almost at the end. But I think it's very interesting that they made Mark Shepard's character the better good guy than Dean Kane's character. Oh, he's wicked good guy. Like that. That's the. Yeah, he's the likable guy. Dean Kane's not all that likable. Uh, I, I beg to disagree. But yeah, you're definitely in Mark Shepard's. I'm talking about in the shadow of Mark Shepard here. All three of them make it to the plane. Husband, wife, hug. Plane starts trying to take off. Our pilot has somehow got this plane ready to go. Boy's good at his job. But somehow, we're overloaded. (laughs) All right, so they're taking off. And all I want, I'm like, I need this snake to jump and get on this fucking plane. And they take a little bit of time to do it. And they don't show the jump, which is what I wanted more than anything. But the snake, the pilot's like, oh, the, the, it must be the ice. We're flying heavy. And they get a wonderful shot of the snake latched on by its mouth to the cargo of the plane. Question <laughs> for you now. Mm. So I am an authority on snakes. So I would have been okay with two different endings here. The one that happened, mm. fine. Totally fine with how this ends. But yeah. I also would have been okay if they pulled like the Jurassic Park kind of ending where like just kind of pans out and you see it on it and you're like, yeah, they just fly away with the snake on it. We're bringing the, the snake to the mainland. Because <laughs> from my perspective, that gives you a lot more options, the better ending if you're going to try and franchise this. I don't think anybody thought this was going to franchise. I think Dean Kane thought this was going to franchise. I believe this is a direct-to-video film. Um, Probably. 
so my other question then is, so what does happen is the snake gets on the plane. How does it go from holding on in this takeoff scenario with its mouth to getting its body to a point where the first emergence in the plane we see of it is a spike through the co-pilot's chest? Clearly, it worked its tail up the wheel well and okay. uh, through the interiors. I mean, you're the expert. <laughs> it spears the co-pilot, and then everybody notices that there's a giant snake among them. <laughs> Best kill of the movie, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, like, quick and, like, abrupt, and the dude's kind of just, like... It's got a little gory, too, little. the tail coming through his chest and yeah. throat. Yeah. And then the, the pilot is like, oh, fuck unflappable unflappable pilot and and thus begins the like the plane duel between (laughs) dean mark (laughs) duel and the snake so it's a we we got ourselves an arctic standoff it is snapping its face around in the cabin they're both kind of pressed up against opposite walls Mm -hmm. in little alcovey things trying to figure out what to do and then uh yuri is like distract it Go over there and distract it. <laughs> Go stand by the open cargo hold and distract it. Dean, uh, I guess mentally echoing his like earlier sentiment of not doing anything over here is just like, fine. And just goes and starts doing yeah. it. Instantly like trips and falls. <laughs> <laughs> they basically like lasso the snake with s- some cords mm-hmm. and uh, tie it to a parachute which that they then open as the door is open. So the exterior cargo door is open. Mm-hmm. And they open the parachute outside of it. It's rigged up to it, so it kind of gets pulled out of the plane. But as this is happening, Yuri gets caught up in the ropes and is ripped from the plane with the snake. You had one job to watch where your feet are in that scenario. I, like you said earlier, I'm not, a, I'm not a parachuting expert. I'm not a planes expert. I'm not a... <laughs> a rope expert. But what I do know is if you're going to combine those three things, watch where your feet are. You can't let him live. Like he's a, he's a, he's Oh, cause a, he would have taken Dean Kane's wife. It would have been just like a tragic. No, cause he's movie. a Chechen war criminal. Who's buying mm. nukes. You literally can't let him live. Right. He should have been in the super prison. I mean, he, he is, but he's also a super criminal who should have been in a super prison. Yeah, no, he gets to have the best death in the movie. He gets to be the martyr. He gets to be the yeah, character no. like, ah, shucks, but yeah. And uh, Dean Cain's big, because in the end of a movie, usually you have like a sweet one-liner at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Cain did not drop a one-liner when he parachuted the snake. Uh, several minutes earlier, he dropped his last one-liner of the film, uh, a big, oh shit, <laughs> which landed pretty pretty soft. Uh, so softly that I didn't even catch it until he just told me he said that right now. Yeah, usually I would want like a snakeulator or like a you know mind the drop or you know yeah. some sort of some sort of silly stupid one liner because that's what I like. But you know Yuri gets caught up, ripped from the plane. They just kind of fly away happily. Couple hugs, pilot somethings, credits roll. Yeah, and, so. Uh, that impressions ends. of this film brett oh, man i i love this movie i'm so glad i saw it i now i have a soft spot for dean kane 
Mm-hmm. And I think if you aren't in your 30s and spent a lot of your youth watching daytime television, um, you might not have as much a thing for Dean Kane and this kind of movie as me. But this hits me right in my nostalgia. And like, yeah. incidentally, Dean Kane is the star of my favorite bad movie, which we may watch someday. It's not a horror movie, so I don't know we'll if keep it him in suspense. falls into it. I'm not going to let the people know. I've told you about it before. I'm not yeah. going to let the people know. I Sorry. agree with exactly what you just said about, I do enjoy Dean Cain and uh, yeah, this movie, um, I'll have you talk more, but like, this movie definitely hits me in the same way. Yeah. It's just that feel of like that serialized live action, like kind of drama, kind of comedy that you would have in the like nineties and two thousands, mm-hmm. your, your SG ones or like your, I mean, that's the one that, you know, sticks the most out in my head. Just being kind of camp, kind of silly. We have bantery dialogue. We have, you know, exposition dumps. But essentially, it's just a charismatic dude doing the hero stuff. And like, you know, I think it I think it went well, right? I honestly was. So we watched the trailer beforehand and it's a strong trailer. I have to say this. This movie lived up to its strong trailer better than any of the films we've done so far. Yes, I don't think that. Okay, you did mention third act problems as a common criticism of mine. Um, I don't think we had third act problems from a watchability perspective. I think that we definitely did not get payoff on a lot of the seeds that were sown throughout Mm. the film. So from like a writing angle, I'm a little miffed there, but it was entertaining and fun. So I'm not going to hold that against it. I just thought that like, if we had some sort of loop around to like, if there was a moment where the engineers and the warden were in a situation where one of them was threatened and the other could do something about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we could have a payoff between that disgruntled dynamic we'd set up. Right. Oops. I I couldn't get to the elevator door in time to let you be safe kind of thing. Right. Or maybe he did help and that showed exceptional character or something. Right. So like there could have been a payoff there. This movie really threw out a lot of things just to throw them out there. And like you said, it didn't wrap up almost any of the loose ends or any of the ideas it brought in. I think there is a tremendous movie you could make out of the bones of this. That being said, this is an absolutely enjoyable watch. And I, I would, you know, I'm not racing to watch it again, but if you had a bunch of friends a year or two down the line, they want to put it on, I would absolutely watch this with other people. I also feel like that this movie definitely isn't the original product that they designed. Oh, yeah. So take me through that thought process you were talking about. Right. So like from a high level, just the plot synopsis is there's an ice snake at a super prison in the Arctic. Like those were different movies that were tied together. Like somebody yeah. started, somebody had a movie idea, I think about like a super prison, maybe a prison breakout or some mm-hmm. sort of whatever. Right. Cause like new Alcatraz, that is a film idea. Yep. In fact, that is the alternate title. Yeah. I think that was scrapped at some point and we turned it into a creature feature, which I don't have a problem with, but it just feels like there was, I I doubt that this was the idea of a movie that somebody put together just like as their pitch, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. super prison is a snake show up. Like that's not a pitch. That's a, that is a thing that happens after something else went wrong. 
it makes sense that idea because you take the prisoners and they're all their backstories and all these things that are so irrelevant to what actually happens in the core of the plot. Right. I bet you that was the original movie. And they're like, we just, we don't have enough. Let's, what else can we do with this? We've shot some of it. It's just not working. Let's turn this into, there's a snake because then you lose those characters for a good second act of the movie. They're just gone. And right. then they bring them back to wrap it up. It definitely feels like there was piecemeal to this approach. And I mean, I could be wrong, obviously. I have no insight into how this actually happened, but that's just kind of the vibe I get as I'm consuming it. I'm going to say it's 100% correct, and don't don't research it. it I'm just going to say it's right. Yeah, You heard there? Authoritative answer. Uh, the primary source, my brother, says that's exactly what happened. I'm really impressed that Sam nailed this word for word of what happened in this movie, with that being the case. I could not have projected how well she did with that. I'm looking forward to this episode coming out so I can hear whatever the heck she comes <laughs> up with. And I'm a little bummed that she's not going to watch this movie because... Uh, I mean, I may make... She may, after listening to this, have to watch this movie. All right. So, Brett, do you, did you like this? Hell yeah. I, I knew that answer. Yeah, I, I did too. This Hell was fun. Yeah. This I was spoiled this over an hour ago when I yeah. said it in the first freaking five minutes of the podcast. It's it's on Amazon Prime. It's an hour 35. If you enjoy what we just talked about, go watch it. If you don't, go watch it anyways. Fuck you. Watch the movie. Enjoy Dean Kane. Why'd you listen this far if you didn't enjoy it? I think, you could, I think even if you aren't, you know, uh, at least 30 years old and grew up on daytime television, you might earn a you might begin to foster an appreciation for such mm-hmm. a thing after this movie, knowing yeah. that it is at best, a you know, a, a six and a half out of 10, right? Like that's a good place for this. Yeah. It's charming. It's fun. It's, it's, it's not, doesn't embarrass at a snappy itself. pace. There's surprisingly grounded marital problems. Uh, Mark Shepard is wonderful for early two thousands. It really doesn't, mess up with race or sexuality or for all the inappropriateness you kind of expect to be thrown in the dialogue. It's not there. It does a good job of avoiding that. Right. Nobody gets called retarded or have, uh, you know, un unpleasant gender slurs. It's just, uh, Mark Shepard's really great. You might know him from supernatural, mm-hmm. which I haven't watched. Oh, um, you, if you, Oh, he, Oh, he plays an amazing demon in that. Yep. Yeah. It's not a spoiler. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to come down on Supernatural real quick. I've seen like most of the first season because ages ago I was dating somebody who was into it, but that didn't go well and it kind of colored my opinion on Supernatural, so I'm not going to watch it. I married someone who's into it. I was hesitant. I'm going to say give it a second shot because once you get to season three, four, and five, it becomes so self-referential and actually the story and characters are a lot of fun. I was right, very well, skeptical. I know. Sam, I'm going to have her listen to this episode, and she is going to talk to you about it, and you're going to end up watching more because she's going to not let you not watch more. That's what I thought. I about. will consider it if you watch Doom Patrol. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll watch Doom Patrol. Sure. Well, when you've told me the plot points of the last episodes of Doom Patrol. So, all right. So, Doom Patrol is about... <sighs> oh, no. Here we go. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh-huh. It was the original plot for Doom, the movie. You know, mm-hmm. they would just have him walking around the bases on Mars doing like mm-hmm. perimeter checks, you okay. know, making sure nothing bad was happening. And uh-huh. 
they scrapped it because they realized if we just have him looking around and nothing bad happens, it's not that interesting. It's just a doom patrol. We can't, let's just call it doom. We need to get the patrol out of here. Let's just have some doom happen. So doom patrol in the, in the end, the rocks about to cut a promo outside and Chris Jericho interrupts him and it just turned into WWE raw and everyone's like, well, that's better. Just go there. Okay. Well, I, I, my doom and gloom about this show, uh, appear apparently is a short sighted because I've just discovered that while it did originally begin on the DC universe streaming service. Mm -hmm. What? That's a thing. It has since been picked up by HBO Max. So, oh, thank God! I guess it. DC I guess it Universe does have some streaming legs service? under it. <laughs> DC Universe streaming service, baby. Who is their target audience? Seventy-five-year-old men. Me specifically. <laughs> it is me specifically. I needed to yeah. catch up on Young Justice and Titans. Harley Quinn's really funny. Oh, see, all right. Well, the DC animated is really good. Yeah, yeah. Harley Quinn's on there. It's really funny. Where's my goddamn electric car, Bruce? It's good. They're clearly not doing a good job of marketing that it exists. I mean, they have like eight shows total. All right, like that's not enough for a streaming service. You, yeah, you gotta. I picked it up to catch emerge. the. I, I picked it up to catch the third season of Young Justice, and that was about it. I wonder. Did now you said that uh, Doom Patrol was picked up by HBO Max? I wonder if that's going to just turn into a, a buyout merger kind of scenario where they just pick up all the shows. I, it probably already has. There's probably an answer or Wikipedia that can answer that for you. If you're curious, listener, but I don't know. I don't know, and my encyclopedias don't come in until later in the year, so I'm just not going to. Wow. Rough. Yeah. Brendan Fraser's in it. Ooh. All right, you had me. You had <laughs> I know me you're trying to Brendan get out Fraser. of here, but I need to keep pushing you on this. No, I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of Brendan <laughs> Fraser, if you enjoyed this episode and you have any thoughts and want to review us, please go onto Apple, um, iTunes, podcast, whatever they call it now. Those reviews mean a lot to us. Do I like this podcast? You can follow us at Do I Like This Podcast on Instagram. I'm at the.ian.james on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Do I Like This Pod. We have the Gmail, obviously. Do I like this podcast? Gmail.com. And our coup d'etat is, well, nope, that's not it. Our coup de gras <laughs> is do I like this podcast.com, where we have all our back episodes, all our information. Um, you can get everything in one place. We thank you guys for listening. Brett, we thank you so much for coming so back. So you didn't, you didn't want to plug anything this episode? <laughs> I learned better than to try and make plug jokes at the end of episodes because it just turns into me having to edit more stuff. All right, fair enough. Uh, shout outs to Kaicho. Sad about your retirement. Uh, mm. Peace, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>